We hope you enjoyed today's episode. It was an awesome one, a very special treat, going to be my all-time favorite. Now that things have started to open back up, just remember you have the choice to go venture out. But if you do, please be mindful of others. If you want to wear a face mask, wear a face mask. If you don't want to, just be mindful. If you're sick, you're feeling ill, stay home. Take care of washing your hands and take care of yourself. Get your vitamins, have some fun, and enjoy your summer. See you next time when you hang with Coach Noonan on the podcast. Are you looking for a way to sell your program and make some money as well? I've got something for you. Check out Story of the Season. This is a digital program that helps high school and college football teams share their story like never before. Each week, they collect all of your video highlights, articles, interviews, and other content and publish a digital game recap magazine that captures everything that happened on and off the field. At the end of the season, they publish a digital yearbook covering each game. The revenue schools make from selling our subscriptions and ads more than covers the production fee and provides coaches with extra funding for their program. Sounds like a pretty good win to me so far. Story of the Season requires zero effort for coaches and gives them an incredible tool to engage the world with their team. Hard to beat that. If you're interested, please contact Chris Herman by emailing chris, C-H-R-I-S, at storyoftheseason.com to learn more, or call 518-944-3311. Check them out on Twitter, at StoryTheSeason. Give them a follow. Thank you for sponsoring the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Hey everybody, don't forget to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play Podcast, and several other podcast platforms along with the Anchor app. Make sure to leave us a, a review and a star rating. really helps to get us out there and also promote the awesome people that I bring on here and to help future episodes. Thanks. On today's episode of Hanging with Coach Noonan Podcast, I have Coach Darren Handy with me. Coach Handy and I just completed our first year working together at Santa Catrudis down in Kingsville, Texas. Uh, he's now in San Antonio working with our mutual friend, Coach Ivory Dillard. Please enjoy our conversation about his career, his playing days in Arizona at a great high school in Chandler, as well as blocking for some now uh, NFL-level talent. Today's episode, Hanging with Coach Noonan, we have Coach Darren Handy in the house. Coach Handy, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you, sir? How about yourself? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm happy to have you on. Uh, we we enjoyed our, our one uh, school year working together, but uh, one year has definitely turned into a uh, a lifelong friendship. I firmly believe that. Yes, sir. <laughs> it was so, it was a good year. It was a, it was a good year uh, to, to learn and, and and have some fun. So yeah. we'll continue it. No doubt, no doubt. Coach Handy has uh, is just finished his first uh, year as a uh, educator and uh, football coach, as well as 
wearing many hats, uh, like like we all had to do down at uh, Santa Gertrudis Academy in uh, Kingsville. Um, so thankfully, he survived. He didn't get run off. He's in the process of uh, <laughs> he's in the process of finishing his alternative certification, and uh, he's going to be working at a middle school in the San Antonio area this this fall. Is that right? Yep, yep. Uh, e- uh, Heritage Middle School uh, in the East Central East Central School District. So, it's awesome, man. You know, it's, and you 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 fortunately had the opportunity to already have worked with some middle school kids because that's to me one of the toughest deals is is working with middle school kids and directly with freshmen because they're so um, unaware of just everything their bodies are changing there's there's a lot of things going on uh, in the world today and they they seemingly are flooded with information and they they don't quite understand how to filter everything yet and of course a lot of their priorities are very very skewed from (laughs) not even day to day but hour to hour Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) and sometimes even minute to minute when you're at practice No, no doubt no doubt yeah when you're when you're practicing in the grass field and you're worried about uh, mosquitoes and ants versus lining up and making a form tackle and uh, or or you know the AC hasn't kicked on in the gym and you're dripping sweat from basketball practice and you're just ready to go and it's five minutes in. Yeah, it's you know, but they're they're also they're also a ton of fun. Middle school kids are a ton of fun because. While that they have those problems, they're just they're young and they they just they soak up all the information um, that you're giving them, and, and they love to have fun. So it, it makes it makes the bad or the difficult uh, seem a little bit better uh, in the moment. So yeah, I enjoy them. Yeah, and that's and that's great that you're finding the positive with them because you know they're they're definitely an age that people are like, oh my god, I can't believe you do that. I've got some friends that they that's what they do. They're they're middle school teachers and coaches, and how for as long as I've known them, that's all they've done. It's uh, it's pretty crazy how uh, special people find themselves there. But uh, you know, I, I I don't expect you to necessarily stay there at the middle school level for too long you got a a great mind for for the game uh and and so i i'm definitely excited to follow your career and uh and see you uh progress uh you know work your way up from definitely middle school to uh to high school and varsity and who knows where yeah that's that's the goal uh always want to learn and uh be around people who know what they're talking about and kind of bounce ideas and uh the way it works up here apparently we we work closely with the with the high school and we run their system and uh the coaches you know work together and so i'm i'm gonna enjoy that part that aspect of, of being able to sit in a room with some high school coaches and kind of jot down their ideas and expand on them and help the the, the middle school kids learn the system yeah. Um, and keeping that singular system going from middle school all the way through the to the high school level and 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 being able to build those relationships with those coaches so you know we can continue to build that way yeah i think that's a that's a huge key is having that that bridge from middle school to high school 
uh, and having the coaches be involved in the middle schools and around those kids so they see the coaches, they see the system, they learn it. So then as they progress, there's a want to to get to the high school and then to get to varsity. But also, um, you know, you build that culture deeper and it's rooted deeper with those kids versus, you know, just running it at the high school. And then uh, sometimes it's tough to, uh, to keep that, that going, you know, when you constantly have uh, a new crop of, of kids in and uh, you know, they're not necessarily being raised up in that program and that culture, uh, you know, cause it's important and it makes a difference between good, great and elite in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, just, you know, seeing my time at, at Chandler high, uh, we had, we had a culture there, you know, uh, we had uh, the head coach that was there when I first started, he had coached my brother for four years. Um, so they were running the same system. Uh, his final year at the high school was my senior was my junior year. Uh, and they handed the reins over to my offensive coordinator and uh, Shauna Guano, who's now the running backs uh, coach and, and one of the recruiters over at Arizona State. Um, and he told us straight up that, you know, he was going to build a culture of, of winning and uh, a, fa- a culture of family. And and he built it. He told us straight up that that first year that that are my class. We probably weren't going to win a championship. Uh, we were going to work towards it, but then everybody else who saw us were going to, they were going to buy in and he was a prophet. Uh, they, I think he got two, three Pete's or, or one, three Pete and lost one and then one, two in a row. And then that's when Arizona state called him. And then they hired the offensive coordinator who was there and he won in his first year, he won the state championship. So you know, it's a huge lineage now of of a winning culture and how they just took that and they ran with it. And then it's the buy-in too. It's the buy-in from every, you know, when you're a kid going to a high school game and you're watching teams put up, you know, you're, you're, you're watching the team that you're going to go play for put up 60 on, you know, one of the best teams in state. You want to be a part of that. You want you want to have your name, you know, on the back of the jersey. You want to see. You want to play for Chandler High, and you know that's what I kind of want to build during my career as a coach. Is I want to build that for where kids are sitting there watching when they're young, and they want to be, you know, a part of that program that I'm a part of because they want to win. They want to be a part of a family. They want to be known. You know, they want to be proud later on in life to say, you know, I went to Chandler High. I went to, you know. Uh, wherever uh you know east central or or you know it, it's it, it means something after a while mm-hmm. for us has <laughs> so um you know and you didn't see a lot of different um levels of high school football um you you certainly will uh you know assuming we get to play this fall and, and hopefully we do but what can you say you know, because you, you played at – your high school was one of the bigger high schools in Arizona, right? Yeah, it, it was, it's now a 6A. When yes. I was there, it was a 5A, and that was the highest that we had. So Right. So yeah, how it was you, pretty big. You know, and just what you've read, seen, heard, 
you know, what is, what was your time like around Texas high school football compared to Arizona? Um, and what are you possibly looking to, to compare it more towards uh, going into this fall? Yeah. Um, so where we were at, that was, that was a lot of small ball. Um, that was probably the smallest team that, that I'd ever been a part of. Um, and by team, I mean, uh, my sophomore year as a, as a, uh, on JV in high school, our sophomore team had 75 kids on it. Um, so we had a lot of depth on a JV team. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, all the teams that we played on, I think the most we had, had about 60. Um, and, and so that was different, you know, with a lot of people playing both ways and a lot of the kids were getting tired a lot. And, uh, and we were asking, we were asking a lot of these kids to do a lot more than if you have that depth of, of, a, of a bigger school where kids, you know, can get away with playing one position or, if they play two positions, they're not a, a, an Ironman full on starter at both, unless they're, you know, an absolute stud mm-hmm. or you have nobody else to put there. Um, but no, really, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to watching a bigger high school this year, um, watching how, how it maneuvers, especially, you know, we're at the Mecca of, of high school football in, in Texas, you know, I'll say Arizona will give it its run for its money, uh, <laughs> but I'm a, little bi- I'm a little biased at that. But you know, it's it's known. Texas is known for its football, and so I, I'm really interested to watch some of these bigger schools in this in in the San Antonio area and and see how see how they operate because uh, it was really it was really it was a fun experience to watch. You know. Uh, we we played against George West, and that was probably one of the most technically sound and uh, disciplined teams that we had faced all year. Um, and you know, watching film on them, just I I walked into that offense meeting and said, "Hey, you know, if we try and run this zone, those mm-hmm. linebackers will flow to it immediately uh, because they had that system." And and I. You know, they those coaches were ingrained in everything. You know, we saw them at all the track meets and how they were coaching up all the kids and all their kids were playing were that were on the football team were on the track team doing, you know, either throwing or jumping or running, you know. So they had that culture that you hear about, you know, in Texas football, you know, Texas forever, you know, kind of football got, what is it? faith football mentality. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting, like I said, watching a bigger school kind of operate and, and seeing how we, we face our opponents and, and prepare uh, for, you know, depth and, and, and how we utilize the depth that we have. Mm-hmm. Granted, if we're able to play, God willing, we're able to play this fall. Right, no doubt, man. Um, so, you know, when you were at Chandler and you're at a big high school, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but, uh, you know, you, you actually were able to, uh, to, to be a, a, a hog and, and a protector and a blocker for, uh, some, some quality people. Um, you know, not just the ones that went on to play college ball, but also, 
uh, now currently in the NFL. So you've you've been able to block for Brett Hundley, who's now uh, backup quarterback at Arizona, and uh, mm-hmm. Paul Perkins, who was previously with the New York Giants. What was <clears throat> did you know then? or have a feeling, you know, what was it like to be around guys that are now on, have played on Sundays? Great question. Um, I knew, I knew. So sophomore year, uh, Paul Perkins and I played sophomore year on, on JV. Um, yes, he was in the NFL and he played on JV as a sophomore. Um, and he was on the freshman team as a freshman. Uh, we both got moved up our sophomore year, but you know, as a sophomore, uh, just running, blocking for him was, was probably one of my favorite things to do. He was probably one of the top two running backs I ever blocked for my cousin, probably being up there in college. But uh, I just remember the way that he – his vision and the way that he hit holes was, was second to none as a sophomore. Um, you know, if we like, just had a, a small crease – um, he would step over the legs and just hit the hole with reckless abandon. There was a play we were playing against our rival Hamilton. Um, and I kid you not, this, this kid broke, I think it was like 13 tackles on one play. Uh, and he was weaving across the field and reading blocks. And, and he did that very well with read blocks, uh, especially downfield from tight ends and receivers, where he'd be able to make that last and final cut. And, and it was it was phenomenal to watch that, um, you know, and to know that he he was a transcendent player. Like we had some studs on our team where you could say, "Oh, that guy, that guy's top in the state." And you looked at Paul Perkins, you knew he was one of the best running backs that that I've ever seen. And you know, so that was awesome as a sophomore to watch. As a junior, when we when we got up to varsity, that was Brett Humley's senior year. And just, you know, he had started – he had beat out a senior his sophomore year to, to be the starting quarterback and brought us to the uh, semifinals. And so, you know, high expectations. Uh, we were – I was snapping to him before practice one day, and two guys were sitting there with camcorders watching, just watching us take snaps and his drop back before practice. It was a recruiter from USC and a recruiter from UCLA. And he went, he ended up going to UCLA, but like these two guys were just like sitting there and they were in awe of what this kid could do. And like, when I say he had a gun, he could rock, he could launch the ball. I mean, he still can do it. And then, you know, he's a, he's a natural born leader. Uh, the, when he, when he would take the huddle, like you would know uh, exactly, you know, if he, if he said we were going to get this first down, you knew we were going to get it. And if he had to carry it on his legs, he was going to he was going to do everything he could to to make it happen. And, you know, I played with some good players. You know, the guy that took it over for him after that, Daryl Garrettson, played at Oregon State, and and he was a very good quarterback. Uh, but in comparison, you look at Brett Hundley, and you know, he was the the coaching that he needed was situational. It really wasn't you know mechanical at the high school level. Um, and that's that's tremendous because, you know, a lot of these high school kids that are playing quarterback, you got to make sure that their release is correct. And exactly when he, he needed to, to learn a little bit of game management and it wasn't like a, a tremendous amount, you know. So it was I would say it, it was it was really awesome being in the moment and knowing 
that uh, that these guys would would end up making it to the league, you know. And I, I played with a couple other guys that I thought would make it, and um, they had their opportunities and, and everything like that. So it, it it it's a very special program there, and and I was blessed to play with those guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you you kind of emphasize that yes, you know, an NFL player was a sophomore on JV. You know, I think so many guys uh, and kids today are so like, well, you know, I, I can't be a freshman on freshman team or or, or a sophomore on a, on a sophomore JV team. Like, I, I'm good enough now. And you know, you, there's so many that are just they're late bloomers or they were the biggest and baddest in middle school and, you know, cause they were early uh, growers versus, you know, everybody else catching up to them. Uh, you know, did, you know, have you ever had a conversation with either of those guys and just, you know, what was their mindset and to, to be where they are now, um, you know, having to overcome kind of probably what they felt was uh, missing out on an opportunity early on, like maybe the coaches were sleeping on them kind of thing. Uh, I, I can, I can say we, we had conversations in the moment. Uh, I haven't really delved deep in, into it with them uh, recently, but you know, in the moment it, it was, yeah, they like, I remember that sophomore year when it actually happened. One of our running backs had gotten injured on varsity uh, in the first week and everybody was talking. Am I connected still? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, as a skill guy, you get to tote the rock and and you get to be, you know, that man. Um, But, like, he had so much humility. I remember one run, he got four yards on the carry. Four. And uh, he got tripped up and everything, and he came back to the line of scrimmage, and he was congratulating and thanking all of us, all five of us offensive linemen. And, and, you know – for a guy who literally just got told, you know, he wasn't going to get moved up after an injury, you know, that you don't normally see that from, from a skill guy who, you know, is that man, you know? And so it, it, you know, like I said, his humility was, was second to none. And, and I, and he really carried himself higher. So uh, while it did get under his skin, I know a little bit, he, he carried himself higher. And, and when he got that opportunity, he, he, he showed the state who he was and, and really, you know, he got a, a full ride scholarship to UCLA. So it, it, it's a telling story that, you know, no matter where you are on the depth chart at the beginning, it's how you develop and how you, how your mindset is. If you have your mindset that, you know, no matter what, I'm going to make it to, I'm, I'm going to achieve my goals. Then, you know, you're going to do it uh, with the hard work that, that goes with it, obviously. And at what point did you realize that you had a chance to go play college ball? 
Um, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, with the studs that I played with, <laughs> it, it was it was a little less of like it was more of a dream than than a reality until uh, the day that I got the the acceptance letter from Benedict and um, because you know we had we had a couple Zach Hamela who played center uh, rest in peace uh, who played center at the University of Arizona. Uh, he was like six four, three hundred and ten pounds, flat out could run. Um, you know, he had a bunch of recruiters come and looking at him, so they would obviously look at uh, all the other linemen. And you know, one recruiter said my hands were too small. The other said that you know my hands, my arms were too small, and, and things like that. So you know, when you you get recruiters coming by and, and just nitpicking you and telling you that you know you weren't enough it, it kind of like discouraged me a little bit, but I knew that it was something that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I knew that uh, without a doubt, I was going to have to work for it. Uh, I've, there's people that are blessed with talent and then there's people that are blessed with a work ethic and some people have both. And I was the guy that, that had the work ethic. And I knew that uh, my grandfather had told me before my senior year, uh, that people were going to be stronger than me, people were going to be faster than me, people were going to be quicker than me, but I couldn't let ed- uh, anybody outwork me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I really, I really held that uh, near and dear to my heart as I, I really went went at it. Uh, and I, I was a third string defensive tackle um, at Chandler, and that was the special thing about our team is I, out of the entire team, a third string defense tackle went on to play college ball. Yeah. Uh, Cause whenever I got my opportunity, I made sure to, to go out and ball. And I remember there was actually one game where I really thought that I would never play football again. Uh, we were playing, uh, I believe it was desert Vista and they ended up winning the, the state championship that year, my senior year. And we were playing them and we were supposed to be playing uh, a double Eagle um and then we were supposed we, we stemmed to twos uh we, we were supposed to go do- double uh double zero stem to twos and i forgot to stem and they double teamed me to the backer and ended up catching the safety in it and they pancaked me and their running back ran for a 70 yard touchdown and my defensive line coach was hollering at me and i didn't see i didn't see the field for two and a half games after that <laughs> Um, <laughs> and so like I, through those games, I was just sitting there, you know, sitting on the sideline thinking to myself, will I ever make it? Like, is it over? Is this really how I'm going to, you know, miss my, miss my shot. And then we played my, my homecoming game and we were, we were really trouncing this team. Um, and I got in and I just said to myself, I was like, all right, it doesn't matter who the competition is. You're going to go out and you're going to play your best. And I, I think I ended that game. I got co-defensive player of the week uh, with another defensive tackle uh, and who ended up playing up at uh, Hamlin University uh, in Minnesota. And so, uh, you know, and he was another undersized guy too. So if I'm really trying to say anything important, <laughs> it's it's if, if you don't have the, the talent of, of a top-tier guy, you had to have that that heart and that work ethic to, to really make it happen. 
So yeah, it was November 5th of 2011 when I opened up the mailbox and got the acceptance letter from Benedictine College that stated that I was going to get a football scholarship. That's when I knew I was going to make it, to be honest with you. Gotcha. That's awesome, man. Awesome. And so you're at Benedictine now. Um, you know, what was what was that like? Because uh, just in kind of growing as a coach and learning more about uh, – about just more colleges, uh, you know, you guys are pretty good, uh, and one of the one of the better NAIA schools. Uh, you know, if you uh, if you look them up, yeah. So uh, it was definitely a little bit of a culture shock because um, in high school, you know, younger kids, more athletes, uh, especially at Chandler, we ran a more of a spread zone type of offense with a little bit of an option here and there. Um, and going and my senior year of football, I played defensive line after being an offensive line my entire life. They, they moved into the D line. Uh, so I kind of came in and I was expecting to, you know, stay on the D line. Uh, but that first day of moving, uh, coach pops up there straight up. I was walking to my locker and he goes, no, I changed you. You're in the offensive line locker room. And just moved me just like that. So <laughs> I went from being a defensive lineman to an offensive, a college defensive lineman to a college offensive lineman in, in like 30 seconds. Um, but, you know, they had, they had a culture there. Um, it, it, was, it was winning. They, it was the, the Larry Wilcox way of doing things. Um, and I'm pretty sure it still is, you know. You, you do th- and he had a saying, you, you do things my way, not your way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so – you know, he's one of the most winningest coaches in college history, and that's on all levels. I think he, he's behind uh, Paterno. I'd have to look that up. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's up there with, with wins, and it, it's, it's really wild. He's been coaching there for, like, 30 years. Um, but, you know, the offense was different. We went from – I went from a spread uh, – zone spread to a – pro style offense with a lot of power and belly and, and, uh, you know, quick passes. Um, and then, you know, the talent, the talent just kind of ticked up a little bit more and everybody was, you know, fighting for that spot. Cause you know, in high school, you know, you're not really, you, you get the playing time, the good, there's the cream definitely rises to the top, but in college, everybody was, you know, that guy at their high school. And so it's a lot of athletes competing against a lot of other athletes uh, trying to get playing time. So uh, it really helped me grow a little bit because I knew my competition was a little better um, and everybody was going to fight a little harder. Uh, and I played, I practiced with some studs, you know, guys who were a little undersized and didn't make D1 or D2. And they came to NAIA and, and you know, we still hit we still had that, that mentality of, you know, this is football. Uh, we never thought any less of ourselves. Um, and, uh, you know, again, it was a little different of a, of a culture. Like I said, it was a winning culture, but we went seven and five and missed the playoffs by one game my freshman year. Uh, and there were a lot of guys on, on the team that were, like, satisfied mm-hmm. with that. And 
up until that point at Chandler, we went undefeated my sophomore year. Um, then we went to the semifinals that year when I moved up. Uh, that next year, we went to the quarterfinals. The year after that, we went to uh, the quarterfinals or the, yeah, we went to the quarterfinals again uh, my senior year. So, you know, I was a playoff contender. Uh, I hadn't lost more than four games in, in a single season and to go seven and five and for people to be okay with that, that kind of it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Um, and I definitely didn't want to didn't want to taste that anymore. Uh, the next year we ended up uh, winning the, the conference. We were conference champions mm. and we made it to the first round of the playoffs and uh, albeit we lost. Um, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a sore spot, and then you know, if you went to Benedictine and know about that game, we we lost by two points uh, at the two yard line going into score. We fumbled the football. It was negative four degrees outside. Holy smokes! And we had the best kicker in the in the in the NAIA. He was mm-hmm. booting 60-yard field goals, and we were at the two-yard line with two seconds left, and we lost by two points. Mm. <sighs> so, like I said, we won't go. We won't get into that. Um, yeah. But that year, uh, we had David Stockland, um, who was our starting center. He ended up winning the Remington Award for the best center. Uh, he was a, a three-year, a four-year starter at center, uh, and I was I was his backup, and I really you know just from seeing him uh, carry himself my freshman year, definitely sophomore year, I was in his back pocket. Uh, I was sitting there talking to him. I picked his brain it, up until the point where I think it annoyed him a little bit, because mm-hmm. uh, I I mean I I swagged out the same way. I prepared the same way. If he was out at two fifteen for pre practice. I was out with him. I, you know, I was in his shadow so much that one day he just sat down and he goes, all right, well, if you want to know, I'm going to teach you. And, and he taught me just subtle things about being a center and running an offense. He taught me that, you know, the center was the real quarterback of, of the offensive line and actually the general of the offense, you know, um, the center is such a special position because you get to, it starts with you, you snap the ball. Um, and be able to command the offensive line as a center, you know, that's a true gift um, to be able to read defenses. And this man read defenses. He could tell by the way the corners were lined up, the safety and the linebackers, what the coverage was. And that was from his stance. Hmm. Um, and, and it was tremendous to, to watch him do that. And he knew he could anticipate which linebacker was blitzing, what the linebacker's tells were. Um, and this was for every team. And that was how, how much film that he watched. And, you know, we would be sitting in classes and sitting off to the side and he'd be drawing up plays and be like, all right, where's the linebacker going to blitz this week on this play? And just, okay, where, what coverage are they going to be in? And what, what, how are you going to call the protection if this corner – is playing press and things like that. And it was little subtle things that he would change about our offense to make us that much better. Um, and then, you know, he, he was, he was always one to, to never get beat a second time. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we would run one-on-ones, he would, he would dominate most of our D linemen um, on a consistent basis. And there was one time where my, one of my best friends, my buddy's D lineman, he, he worked him. I mean, just made him fall to his knees, sacked the quarterback. D line was going crazy. And he looked at him and goes, okay, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and literally the next day, I have never seen a move like this. He snapped the ball and punched at the same time so hard it popped. It, he popped uh, the D lineman in his head, the, the crown of his his helmet, and in his chest with his snapping hand at the same time. It was so quick. D line stood up, staggered, and he just locked out on him and went nowhere. It was the quickest pass block I'd ever seen. And he looked at him, let him go, and said, "Never again," and walked off. Simply <laughs> that. He had he had so much swagger. Oh man, I I hear I go rambling on about this guy, uh, but. He, he really taught me how to carry myself and how to read defenses and how to read the play. And, and I got a little smarter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish that he could give me some of his athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, it, it was really awesome to, to learn that because at that moment when he was teaching me this stuff, that's when I re- it really clicked for me that, you know, I wanted to coach uh, because – I really wanted to give this information to to people because it's it's not something that, you know, as an offensive line, we hear hog mollies and, and everybody thinks that we're just the big, dumb, fat guys up front. But you have to be smart. You have to be able to, to think on a dime and to react. And not only do you have to react, you have to react with power, speed, and aggression. Um, and so – you know, it, it's it's re- it's a really special place. There, there's no there's no other real football position other than offense and defensive line, and I, and I say that, and I'll disrespect whoever I want, um, <laughs> but, but I'll back it up. You know, we're the only players to to hit every offensive play. Um, there, you know, you you could you could off you could honestly play football social distance style without offensive line this year, and it would just be seven on seven and boring. Yeah. Um, but but the the O line really makes the O line and D line really make make it happen. So uh, that's that's really where I, I got the love for coaching and, and the love for football back was was sophomore year of college and just learning from David Stockland. So and what are uh, you know you, you're out of uh, you're out of college now. Um, mm-hmm. And now you go to uh, you go to Stanger Trudis, um, you know the head coach Ivory Dillard says, "Hey, I got something. You know, come down." Well, what did you what did you kind of have an idea about going in, and then where where did it go from there? Good, uh, you know, good, bad, um, exactly what he had said. You know, kind of just talk talk us through your transition from what you were doing to now coaching and your, your first year as a, as a football coach. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I had been working in a law firm. I worked in politics. I worked up at the state capital of Minnesota. I was working in a warehouse. I had done so many other things after football that, you know, it was a little bit of a distant memory when the opportunity came up to, to coach um, down at Santa Gertrudis. So it, it, 
kind of got the, the 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 juices flowing again. I was really excited to to go back out and compete. And then I got there and realized I'm not the one competing. I was having to coach other people to compete. And that was a, that was a little bit of a difference for me because I still have that uh, that uh, competitor's fire um, on the field. And um, like you said, it, it was a different monster uh, being a coach. You got to – there's a lot of little things that you don't think of as a player. Like mm-hmm. I was in meetings uh, from the day that I drove down on July 21st. Um, July 22nd, I had meetings from 8 a.m. to, uh, I think it was, I think we left at like 3.30. So it was, it was wild for that first day to just get in involved with it. Yeah. Having to clean, clean helmets and find shoulder pads and fix equipment and, um, just really do the little nitty gritty things that, that are behind the scenes that you really don't, you know think of when you say oh you're a coach when you when someone says oh you're a coach they automatically think of you on the sidelines on a friday night with the you know the swag on and you got the 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 headphones and you know you're hollering at the kids and there's a lot more that went into it um it it, it, a lot of character building too because you know who wants to really be the guy that the coach looks at and is like, all right, you're in charge of the balls. Don't lose them. Um, <laughs> you're in charge. You're in charge of the pump. Don't lose that. And, and imagine how, how it goes when someone loses the pump for two weeks. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just, it's just small things like that, you know, that, that were a lot different from any professional field that I was in prior to that. You know, and then, you know, the kids, you know, getting the kids to, to be self-motivated and to want to get out there. I mean, you guys are playing football, you know, and and, and having to, ah, how, how do I want to say this? Getting them to, to want to be out there as much as I wanted to be out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, my competitive fire, you know, you, you hit the football field for the first time in four or five years. And all you want to do is put your hand in the dirt and go. Right. And that, that was really like my passion is I wanted to put my hand in the dirt. I wanted to go. I wanted to put the helmet on and the shoulder pads and get up underneath somebody again. Um, and so I had to learn how to communicate with, with my guys on what was the expectation, how I wanted them to to approach every practice every snap every every minute of the day um and communicate that rather than show that um mm-hmm. uh, but also show it in the way that i prepare um and you know that was one thing that that i really i really want to i want to work on and and i worked on this past year was preparing myself uh better than than i have better than i i expect you know i want to be ready for every situation i want to over prepare um for every situation and, and really bring that that fire and that intensity uh because you know 
it, it's different. You know, you the geese kids have to sit in classes all day. You have to do your teaching duties. Um, I was, you know, in that classroom with with all those kids, just you know, as they transition between college and and their high school classes. So all day I was thinking about one thing, and that was hitting the field. Um, and, and you know, and I, I would that was after hours of preparation. You know, when we'd go in on Sundays for the game plan. And I'd be sitting there till from two o'clock in the, or sorry, it would never show up at two. It'd be like 11 o'clock in the morning to <laughs> nine o'clock at night, you know, writing up plays and going over game plans and watching film and breaking it down. And, you know, so I was invested. Um, I was invested. And I invested a lot of myself and my passion into, into coaching the first year and, as you know, we didn't do so hot. And so Yeah, it was it was a tough year, no doubt. It was and like like I told you I came from, from a culture of winning. Mm-hmm. So it was definitely one of the most difficult uh seasons I've been a part of, uh football wise. Yeah. Because, you know when you when, when you when you don't have the success that you prepare for, it takes a toll out. Um, so it, it did get me down a few times when things wouldn't go our way, balls wouldn't bounce our way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know when when you know people would get it, and, and you know the supporters. Um, you, you know how it is when you get the athletes and the coaches and the people part of the program, and they have one mindset. And then people that are just watching from the outside and they get to talking and you, you do everything you can not to respond negatively. Yeah. Um, and so just having to hold myself to a higher standard, like always, um, it, it, it's definitely, it was draining. It was definitely draining. Um, but like you said at the beginning, I wasn't ran off, um, namely because I have found something that I, I love to do. Um, I love to be around the game. I love to coach. I love to be around the guys uh, that that get excited and then they love it. Like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss those guys over at SG, especially my linemen. Mm-hmm. You know, those guys would wake up and be at the be at the school early in the morning to watch film with me. Uh, three days out of the week, um, we had a little family over there. Those were my boys, and when we fought for each other, and you know, I told them that that if they kept fighting for me, I was going to keep fighting for them. And and you know, uh, push comes to shove, they I'm not there anymore, and and they know that, but they know that no matter what, we built we built a bond. Um, and anytime they they need anything from me, I'm going to be there for them. And you know, that's that's one thing as a coach that that I just I love is building that bond with those kids. Because uh, you're around them more than their parents, um, especially during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get those kids from school time till you let them out after practice. And, and you know, you build that bond and you, you grow close to them. And you really want to see them succeed, not just on the football field, but in the classroom. And, and after, after, after they graduate college, you want to see them 
be successful in their jobs with their families and watch them grow into men, not just in, into to boys that were planning for you, but to men that are, that are positive citizens that are, that are positive influence on their communities. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was definitely a, a difficult season. Um, but coming into it, this being my first year, I learned a lot. Um, uh, I learned that you don't talk to your head coach on game day about something you don't know of. And you kind of just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me, let me tell it. So I, I Dillard, Dillard, uh, he gave us that, that uh, responsibility chart. Yeah. He gave me game time, which basically I was supposed to keep him on schedule. Um, and we were supposed to load the bus and he was the last one in the building. And he was in his office and I walked up to tell him that, you know, he needed to load the bus and he gave me a death stare <laughs> that, I mean, I looked at him and I was just like, all right, uh, uh, okay. And I walked away <laughs> and 10 minutes later he walked out and he was like, how come you didn't tell me I was late? I was like, well, you looked at me wrong. <laughs> what you want me to do? He was just in the zone. So, you know, there, there was some definitely some learning points uh, that, that, that occurred uh, on my part that, you know, I don't, I don't intend on repeating. Right. Um, also, you know, when you're, when you're showing a kid how to fit up uh, at the middle school level, don't, uh, don't do it while they're running a play because they will hit you in your mouth and you will lose the tooth. Um, so, you know, having the middle school kids call me Coach Half Tooth for half the year, you know, that was different. Um, <laughs> well, now I got a, I got a newly, newly uh, minted crown in my head. So, there you, go. you know, yeah, but, you know, it wasn't all bad. I had some great times, learned some things, had some laughs. Um, learned, I, this is, this is important. Um, definitely learned what I don't want to be as a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's important because, you know, you see, and, and I mean that people, not, not just people around me, but there were other coaches that we faced, um, that, that, you know, I, I just, just the mannerisms, um, weren't weren't something that I wanted to to do or to be yeah um, as a coach um and that doesn't mean that they're wrong it was just something that that I learned that I want to carry myself in a different light and you know if this is something that I want to do 10 15 20 years down the road I need to start building who I am now um and molding you know how I want people to see me and how you know when they when someone says Coach Handy in the future, who are they gonna who are they gonna think about? You know, if someone in Dallas is, oh, Coach Handy down in San Antonio, mm -hmm. you know, how are they gonna how are they gonna look at that? And you know, to actually have somebody say my name, you know, in a different region, that'd be awesome too. Right. Um, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. But uh, you know, just I want I want my name to carry some weight of you know somebody that wants the kids to excel that loves the kids to death, but that will coach the kids hard and, and want the most out of them. So, yeah, man, I, I just, yeah, I, go ahead. You're, you, you did, you did a lot this year. Um, 
probably more as a first year coach than a lot of first year coaches do. Um, you know, we had our logistical um, things with, with how we structured practice and got things and kids over to practice and, and game days and things of that nature and not having your own home field uh, definitely presents its own challenge and then not even having your own practice field, um, you know, presents another challenge, but uh, you know, your, your dedication to the kids and to making it better, um, making them better, making yourself better was, was really awesome to watch. Um, you know, from, from my standpoint and just, you know, the things that I could tell you and give you an idea about, um, you know, just because of the years that I've done stuff, um, it was, it was great to be able to impart that to you. Um, cause it, even though age wise, you know, I'm only, uh, I think 33, uh, you know, th- I'm going into my 11th year, um, 11th or 12th year coaching. Um, so it's, I'm kind of moving past the young guy in the room. Um, so, so I, I see. I, I feel like I'm viewed a little bit more as well. You know what you've done. You know what you're talking about. Um, you know, I take that growth mindset. Uh, I had to explain that to uh, some some kids today in our strength conditioning camp, and um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, we 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 just as long as the the knowledge is being passed down to the new guys and the new guys are taking that and they're molding it. Like you said, because that is important, not just knowing what you want to be and how you want to become, but also knowing what you don't want and, and seeing what, how other people do things and act um, can certainly change uh, your perspective and shape your future. Um, and I think, like you said, it's important that you establish what you want people to perceive and, believe when they bring the name up, uh, you know, coach Darren Handy. Um, cause I think having that coach in front of your name is a big deal. Um, uh, at least for me and, and, uh, you know, people that I admire and, and, and seek information from is they, they have honor in the name coach. Um, and I think that's a very positive and important thing to, uh, to keep hold. I can still hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I don't know why it keeps doing that. Yeah. Um, Weird. Yeah. Um, No, it it means a lot hearing that from you. Um, I know there was a lot of times where I would sit there and just try to pick your brain um, and and learn a little bit more because, you know, like you said, you're you're in your 11th, 12th year of coaching, and that was my first year. Um, And, you know, no matter how many years of football that I played, I can give, you know, uh, fundamental, uh, you know, coaching to kids, but, you know, the mindset and, and really understanding the X's and O's and beyond the X's and O's and what to expect. You were really good with that on, on what I should expect and where, what to watch out for and, and how to anticipate, you know, not only on the, on the field, but off the field. 
things to anticipate, things to watch out for, um, and and how to you know kind of take care of myself and and really uh, decompress even with everything going on. So, you know, I really do appreciate that from you. Is you know you you allowed me to to kind of grow a little bit more um, it, as a person, not only as a coach. Um, so I really do uh, appreciate that from you and, and that leadership that you had with me um, in my first year. So, yeah. Well, man, it's been awesome to uh, to have this conversation with you. It's it's been a long time coming. Ever since I, you know, decided to start this uh, podcast, and uh, I enjoy uh, the time we do spend and talk together. Um, you know, and I look forward to uh, having you on again in the future. Really hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Coach Darren Handy. Great, bright young man. If you're looking to reach out to him to talk more about football or even just want to follow his career as he grows in this profession, check him out on Twitter, dhandyjunior54.